Welcome to Rivers in the Desert International, a revival ministry dedicated to bringing the living waters of God's love to a hurting and dying world. It is our desire as you listen to the following message that the Holy Spirit will fill you afresh and that you would be ignited into a fervency for Jesus. This is the day to be filled with the knowledge of His glory as the waters cover the sea. God is doing something new on planet Earth today, and you and I have the great privilege to be a part of it. We love you. Be blessed. Shalom, friends. This is Scott Holtz in a beautiful spring morning here in Israel. We greet you with Mega and Rob Shalom. Glory to God. And uh, I'd like to talk about some things about uh, the terror that's coming on the earth, how to bypass it, and the financial system in sync with the glory of God. Hallelujah. So you want to get out your pens and paper, get out your Bibles, and we'll do a quick uh, brief overview here of what the Bible says about the gold and the glory. Hallelujah. Spark up your faith so you won't be under the terror of things that's going to happen, that you're, you'll not be paralyzed by fear. You're not being wonder or a place of anxiety about the financial system and the things that are happening and the shakings of the nations that are going on even now, as our Messiah predicted in Matthew 24. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to the book of Exodus chapter 24. And this is after the Ten Commandments was given. Um, this was during the time of an incredible event of a slave nation, the Hebrews coming out of Egypt, uh, the rescue, the Passover event, the incredible gold and silver that was amassed to them, all the precious things of Egypt was given to Israel as they left. And uh, let's start up here in Exodus 24. It talks about here that the, Moses wrote down in verse 4, all the words of the Lord, and he rose up early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain with the 12 pillars from the 12 tribes of Israel. And it's interesting, I've been at that mountain and I've seen the pillars, what's left of them. And again, the Bible is always accurate and always right. He goes on and says here in verse 8, So Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you in accordance with all of these words. Now, it's very interesting here. They've come out of Egypt. They have the gold and silver, the wealth of the world power of Egypt with them. Um, there's not one feeble one among them. They're living on heavenly manna and bread. Uh, yet there's grumblings, there's complainings against Moses and his leadership. And the people are about to go into the promised land. There's, a, there's a, a incredible events about to take place. And in this moment is when God wants to appear to his people. And you notice here in verse 9 is really where Orthodox Judaism departs from the scriptures. It says here that he made a covenant in accordance to all these words. And all of oral the oral law, see there's many rabbis that believe that uh, God gave uh, Moses two sets of laws on Mount Sinai. He gave him the written law, Torah Biktav, and he gave him the Torah Bashbal Pei, which is the written law, or the, excuse me, the oral law. And most of Orthodox Judaism today is built on the oral law. And it hangs on this one little 
text here, verse 8, accordance to these words. It's like one rabbi said, you know, all of our traditions and all of our oral law is like a mountain being held by one string. And so right here, the people are about to have a visitation of the glory of God. And instead, the rabbis, because the glory is not in their midst, take this verse and confirm, affirm, reassure themselves that the oral law is from God. Actually, there is no oral law mentioned in the scriptures. There's no oral law mentioned by the prophets. The prophets always told the people to return to the written law. So again, what I'm about to explain to you is very, very important. It's a crossroads event, is that when God is about to appear in his glory, when God is about to have a paradigm shift, something new is about to happen, many times people will go back into what they can understand, they can sense, they can touch, they can feel, and they come up with their own doctrines instead of flowing with the glory of God. And we see that tragedy here where most of Judaism is no longer pursuing the presence of God, but they're suing a quote, quote, oral law and commandments and traditions of men rather than the written law. So it says in verse 9 that Moses went up with Aaron, Nadad, Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel, and under his feet there appeared to be a pavement of sapphire as clear as the sky itself. Can you imagine seeing that? Glory to God. It did not stretch out his hand against the nobles of the sons of Israel, and they beheld God, and they ate and drank. Now the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and remain there, and I'll give you the stone tablets with the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. So Moses arose with Joshua, his servant, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. But to the elders he said, Wait here for us until we return to you, and behold, Aaron and her are with you. Whoever is a legal matter, let him approach them. Then Moses went up to the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. Notice it was when Moses stepped up, when Moses ascended, when Moses went forward, okay, according to the commandment of God's voice, that God then descended on the mountain. Hallelujah. Whew. And the cloud covered the mountain, and the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days, and on the seventh day he called to Moses from the midst of the cloud. And to the eyes of the sons of Israel, the appearance of the glory of the Lord was a consuming fire on the mountaintop. And Moses entered the midst of the cloud, and as he went up to the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain forty days and forty nights. Let's let's um, uh, break this apart for you. First of all, Moses went up to the mountain, and uh, he's going up to the mountain. Glory to God! And it says the cloud came down and covered the mountain, and the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. So that means that Moses was in the midst of the glory cloud for six days. And then on the seventh day, God called to Moses from the midst of the cloud. Now, if you just remember your Bible, uh, God created the heavens and earth in six days, and the seventh day he rested. Um, we're commanded to work six days and rest one day of the week. Um, but notice here that God called Moses up into a place, and the cloud, the atmospherics of heaven, came down on this mountain. And for six days, Moses was in that place. Wow, hallelujah. And in the seventh day, God spoke. Many times it takes, you know, six days. Many times it takes times of soaking, 
uh, times of extended stay in his presence before you can even have the aptitude, uh, the communication receptivity to even understand what God is saying to you. And it says to those sons of the eyes of Israel, verse 17, the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the mountaintop. And Moses entered the cloud and he was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. We know 40 days and 40 nights. 40 is a sign of testing, a sign of uh, character, um, a shaking, a, a sign of, you know, 40 days and 40 nights, the rains fell during the time of Noah. Now notice the first thing that God spoke to Moses on the seventh day was not necessarily the Ten Commandments or all the ordinances and statutes and legal requirements. What he said to him is very interesting. In chapter 25, verse 1, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Tell the sons of Israel to raise a contribution for me from every man whose heart moves him. You shall raise my contribution. And this is the contribution which you had to raise for them. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet, fine linen, goat hair, ram skins, dyed red, porpoise skins, acacia wood, oil, spices. You know, where did all this stuff come from? This is a slave nation. They didn't have these these uh, wealthy luxury items. They didn't have this gold and silver. Well, it came from the Egyptians. Again, that's what's happening in this hour, brothers and sisters. We need, we need to position ourselves because there is a wealth transfer coming from darkness to God's people. There is coming uh, uh, from the Egyptian world system. You know, look at the Passover event that happened in Egypt at a micro scale of the macro Passover event that's going to happen in the book of Revelation. Without a doubt, the gold and silver belongs to God. Without a doubt, we live in an hour where there's uh, treasures of darkness, there's hidden riches. Without a doubt, the whole world is being shaken. There is a wealth transfer going to happen, and it's going to come about not because necessarily we have all this great uh, investment ideas. It's going to happen by the sovereignty of God. It's going to happen through his glory realm. Hallelujah. It's by his glory descending, and God's looking for Moseses. He's looking for people, hallelujah, like Joshua. He's looking for people that will go up and be with him when he commands them to come up. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And not to be involved with all these legal wranglings and um, being upset with your neighbor and all the stuff going on down in the camp. Okay, he wants those who have a heart that moves him. Now look, look at here, it says in verse 2, Tell the sons of Israel, the first thing that God said to him after seven days of no, no speaking to Moses in the glory, after seven days God spoke and said, Tell the people to take up a contribution. I, I want an offering. Okay, And I just don't want any offering. I only want an offering from those who have a willing heart, from those who are moved deep within their heart and soul, Okay, those who love me, those who want to give to me. And I'm going to take all of these precious items that I actually gave you from Egypt, Okay, and you're giving it to me as an offering, and I want you to do this with it. Verse 8, let them construct a sanctuary for me, that I may dwell among them. Hallelujah. Now, it's really interesting, um, the word dwell, a shakanti. Uh, it's to dwell, sojourn, to, to live somewhere. Uh, it's also mishkan. It's also the same root for the tabernacle. Okay? And it's also the same root where we get the word shekinah glory. It's also the same root for a neighborhood in modern Israel here. A neighborhood is called a shikhun 
or a housing project where people live together. It's called a shikun. So notice the idea of neighborhood, a neighbor, a tabernacle, and the Shekinah glory of God are all related by the same word, meaning God wants to come off the mountain and dwell among his people. Hallelujah. And only dwell among his people. You know, heavens declare the glory of God. God, you know, his glory declares himself. But he will only live and manifest his glory among those who have a willing heart that want him, that are true givers, that are not giving just to receive. They're giving because they love him. Hallelujah. And so God is looking. God is looking in this hour as he says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen on the on, upon you. And it says, Great darkness upon earth, Isaiah chapter 60, okay? So there's great deep darkness, but his glory will appear upon us. And it says they'll bring, you know, the sons and daughters, and the gold and silver will come to the brightness of our rising. And um, the idea is not so much the glory of God they're coming to, what triggers this event is that we're rising up. We're getting up. We're getting out of our spiritual slumber and sleep. And at that rising, hallelujah, is when God comes down and he wants to dwell as close as a neighbor. Okay? He doesn't want to be up on a mountaintop far away from his people. He wants to come down and be among his people as close as a neighbor in his Shekinah glory. But he will only choose that location, only choose those people to dwell among who have a willing heart that are willing to give. Hallelujah. That are willing to give it all back to him. So as there's a wealth transfer is going to happen in the days ahead, hallelujah, God's glory is going to descend and dwell, hallelujah, among those who have this heart, this giving heart. And so that's what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19. He says, And my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory in the Messiah Jesus. Now, uh, Paul was a rabbi. Paul was Jewish, the tribe of Benjamin. And you'll see throughout his epistles, he says, uh, according to his riches and glory. He's used several times. Now, what is Paul talking about? Well, riches and glory in Hebrew are actually the same root. Somebody who's loaded down, who's heavy with riches, okay, uh, is the same root for the glory of God. It says in Genesis that Abraham was loaded very heavy with gold and silver and livestock. And so that word, keved, it's also the same root used for the heaviest liver in our uh, organ in our body, which is our liver. So the heaviest organ in our body is the liver. Somebody weighted down with heavy gold and silver is the same word. And it's the same word for riches. And it's also the same word for the glory of God. Hallelujah. So the glory, the honor of God. So we see here, riches, glory, glory, riches. It can be used interchangeably. And so again, let me quote that to you. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory in Messiah Jesus. So riches, glory, glory, riches in the Messiah. Hallelujah. But let's back up and see why Paul used this to these people and why this promise was only to them and it's not to everybody. Okay, why? Because there was many churches. You know, Paul's talked about here in Philippians chapter 4 um, that he, verse 10, he, re, he was rejoicing that these people had a revival. What was the revival? That they had re, like, like a, a branch shoots forth its stem and suddenly a new leaf or flower appears after a long, cold winter. This is the word Paul uses here. He was rejoicing that they revived. 
out of a state of hibernation, a state of, you know, busyness, a state of inactivity. They suddenly revived themselves. Okay. And he began to rejoice greatly in the, in the jail in Rome as he wrote this letter to the Philippians. And he said, you know, I'm content in any circumstance. I, I, you know, I'm content to be a scum of the earth. I'm, I'm content in any circumstance. However, I've learned the secret of going hungry and having plenty. I can do all things who, who's, he who strengthens me. So part of the thing that a lot of us have, need to understand is that he, he, we can do everything through him who strengthens us. So if you have lack now or you have abundance, learn that secret place, hallelujah, of staying in his strength. Now it goes on and says here, Paul's saying here, uh, verse 15, you yourselves know, Philippians, that the first preaching of the gospel after I departed from Macedonia, no church partnered or shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. So here, Paul is talking of all, to, of all the churches he started, of all the believers he knew, of all the leaders and bishops and overseers he appointed and deacons, and all these people. He said it was only the Philippians who revived their concern for him. So let me share, you know, I, I love the context of the word. I don't like to pull scriptures out of their context and try to apply it to my own situation. I want to read the word as it is. I want the Bible to read me instead of rereading it. And as I read this letter here, I realize that a lot of us have been quoting the scripture, and my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. And you can't claim that scripture if you're not willing to revive yourself and give to those who've instructed you, those who've imparted the word of God to you. If, you have not, if you're not a giver to what God tells you to give into, then you can't claim that promise. Okay, because he's saying, and my God will supply your needs. Well, what needs? The needs of the Philippians, because they revived themselves out of all the other churches. They said, listen, man, let's bless Paul. He's in prison. Let's send some things to help him out. Okay, and not just once. They kept on sending things to bless him. And so Paul says here in verse 15, he says, no church partnered or shared with me. Okay. And the word here, uh, share, is actually a very interesting word. It's to partner, okay? And in the matter of giving and receiving. And Paul uses a business metaphor from the ancient Roman world here. Uh, he uses two technical terms here, giving and receiving, like a, a debit credit account used in business transactions, okay? And then it says here in verse 17, not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. Paul is using technical business terms here, okay? I've received everything in full. I have an abundance. I'm amply supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches, in glory in Messiah Jesus to our now to our God and our Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So look at the glory that rebounds to our Father's name. Look at the glory that's resident within the Messiah. Hallelujah. That's available to us if we'll become givers. And what kind of giving am I talking about? Well, it says here that these people gave where Paul had not just everything in full, he had an abundance. He was amply supplied. And, uh, you know, folks, let's just back up here because I know there's, there's a lot of shakings going on. Um, and let's just, and people have felt burned. People don't want to give into something. And, you know, basically I'm talking about the glory of God. Okay. And giving to what God wants to do. 
and that tabernacle, hallelujah, that God is building, hallelujah, that spiritual house of Jew and Gentile. But we have have lived in a time where not only have we had um, people that did not live what they preached, and we can start from the PTL club and go forward, okay? But we have recently uh, people that say they're in the glory camp that call themselves prophets and apostles and have glory messages and all this stuff, yet they don't have the character to back up their messages. And so people have been burned. People have talked about the greatest revival ever was breaking out last year on planet Earth, and and it fizzled out. And so people feel burned. People feel like, well, why should I give? People are stuffing money into gold and silver right now. People are putting stuff in their mattresses, so to speak. People are unsure of the economy, what's going on. And um, I understand the apprehensions. I understand not wanting to give to a monarchy kingship system, an old wineskin. I understand those things. And you have to be wise as serpents in this hour. But there, you can't stop your giving right now. You have to continue to give because it's the nature. You know, it's more blessed to give than receive. The whole idea of grace and generosity, that's who we are. That's We're following the grace of the Lord Jesus, okay, that through his poverty we might become rich. It says in Second Corinthians, that what I'm getting at is this: there's there's a place of commanded blessing. There's a place of obedience. Okay, we're not just living to get by, and you're just not living trying to make ends meet, but you're living in a place of abundance. And you really need to find whether it be our ministry or somebody else's that God speaks to you about. You need to find that sweet spot in your heart that you are reviving yourself to give. You're not holding on. You're like Isaac in the time of famine. He sowed, and that same year in famine received a hundredfold back. See, that's part of the thing that God is is using this financial collapse system. He's really testing our hearts to see if we're going to be givers or we trust the almighty dollar bill. And Paul is in this place of having his needs um, in this Philippian jail, and things he wants to do, and giving out these offerings as the people come visit him to the other works going on. And he's thanking God that these people were of a generous, willing heart. Like some of the, not all the Israelites, but some of the Israelites that gave everything they had that they got from Egypt and the plunder of Egypt and gave it for the Shekinah glory tabernacle could be built in the wilderness. Hallelujah. And that's exactly what God's looking for. He is going to meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory when you release that pleasing, acceptable sacrifice. And that sacrifice is to give to his servants, to his Levites, to his bond servants, amply, amply supply them, okay, so they can do the work that God's told them to do. And it's in that place that God is going to meet all your needs according to his riches and glory in Messiah Jesus. Isn't that powerful stuff? I just love it. Hallelujah. I love these things that God's doing in this hour and uh, just an honor to be a part of it. Now we see this idea of the glory and the riches throughout the scriptures. But I, I want to conclude today, you know, we're coming approaching 30 minute mark here on this audio podcast and um, I want to keep it simple for you. I want to tailor it down right now and say this. There's a place of commanded blessing and generosity, where your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. You know, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 that the grace of, the, of God was 
exceedingly abundantly upon the Macedonians. And Paul is correcting the Corinthian church, despite they had all the gifts of the Spirit in operation and all these things going on, they still did not have the place of generosity that the Macedonian believers had. And Paul says these Macedonians in chapter 8 and verse 2, in their great ordeal of affliction and their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own need, begging us with much entreaty for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. Well, what saints? Well, Paul's going to Israel to take care of the, the believers in Israel and Jerusalem. Okay, and he's receiving an offering for the work. Okay, and these believers who are in abject poverty. And what we know is that these people had was a very wealthy province, province, and a lot of mining, gold and silver. And when the Romans took over, they came in and just, of course, decimated the place and and uh, stole everything. And so these Macedonians were in a place of deep poverty, abject poverty. Yet they knew. They begged Paul, you know, wish we had more believers that were begging to give, you know, begging to find out our, our wire account numbers, begging to get offering envelopes, you know, begging to get the money transferred as soon as possible, you know, because in that place of abject poverty, they understood the only way out of this is to give and not just to give to anything, but to give to help out the believers in Jerusalem. Hallelujah. And they begged Paul for this opportunity. And Paul was amazed. And Paul talks about, you know, and God is going to bless them and make all grace abound to them in chapter 9 and verse 8. So, you know, there's some a lot of scriptures we're sharing here, but I want to bring this out to you. There's a sweet spot in each of our heart, okay, where God lives by his spirit. And we need our soul, our mind, will, emotions to align up to that place and let the f- generosity of love, let the grace of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, flow out of us and to revive ourselves in this hour, not to be under the cloud of uncertainty, not under the cloud of of financial turmoil and worry and concern, okay? But to revive ourselves in this place and start to give to those people God has told you to give to, okay? That have spoken spiritually into your life, that have given Okay, and especially to, to not not forget us believers here in Israel, to give into what God is doing here. Hallelujah! And it is in this place of generosity is where the glory cloud comes. It's in this place of generosity that the God wants to hang out among His people in His Shekinah glory. It's in this place of generosity that God meets all of our needs according to His riches and glory. Hallelujah! Why? Because we give into His servants and his handmaidens so they'll be amply supplied. How can we be amply supplied? Well, we, we're raising $1.3 million right now. I have the engineer and the builder just waiting, chomping at the bit, so we can purchase the land next door and build out a facility to take care of folks, to uh, train folks, a tactical command center, and we're ready to go for it. Hallelujah. And if everybody was to give uh, generously, everybody was to, to give uh, in a way that was their hearts were revived, we would have it done very quickly and we can move on to the next thing God wants us to do here. Hallelujah. So again, brothers and sisters, in this place, I can't think of the greatest thing, on, you know, the greatest thing on earth, what, what, nice house, nice car, you know, nice whatever. It's all, 
it's all dust in the wind. The greatest thing in life is to experience his glory this side of heaven, to be in his Shekinah glory, to be in a place where we're with him and we're pleasing him, hallelujah, and we're in these earthen tabernacles and we're living like the scum of the earth, but we're reflectors of his glory, hallelujah. Glory to God. Think about that, that the people, they came out of Egypt and they loved God so much. They've been in, all they knew for four, you know, all those generations, 400 years of slavery. They were raised as slaves, okay? And to come out with suddenly, <laughs> with the wealth of the, of the world system of Egypt, okay? And there were people there, of course, they wanted to build the golden calf, okay? Always bad apples in the barrel. But there was those there whose heart moved him, that loved him. And that's what Paul is saying here. My God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory because you revive yourself to give. Not just once, but you keep giving. Hallelujah. And this is what we want to do. Folks, I'm I'm addicted to the glory realm. I'm addicted to him. I'm, the, the cloud of glory. I've been, I made a lifelong study on, on the, the mystery of, of the glory realm. Hallelujah. And... Uh, it's just incredible. And I know what we're building here is con in connection with what the scriptures have been saying. God in his sovereign hand brought us here and he wants us to begin to build this tabernacle, to build this house of his glory, <clears throat> to build this place where the Jewish people will come to. It's not, they're not coming to Jerusalem or Zion in the last days, it says. It says they're coming to the gathering place of the Father, as Jeremiah 50 says. This wilderness experience where our DNA began, where Isaac had the, and Sarah had a supernatural baby. Okay, uh, Excuse me, Abraham and Isaac. Sarah had a supernatural baby named Isaac. He was a, his DNA was from the glory realm. Hallelujah. He was a faith child. And... In that place, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they, they lived, the, the patriarchs, going from following the cloud, living in the place in the desert, okay, having these ex incredible experiences with God. And that is what the Jewish people, the last frontier of the harvest in the, in the world, right now as the harvest is being starting to be reaped greatly in the Muslim world, the last great harvest after the Muslim is the Jewish people here in Israel. It began in Jerusalem. It's going to end in Jerusalem. And the Jewish people are not going back to religion, back to the oral law. They are looking for something in the desert. What made us as a people be born here? Our DNA is here. And that is the place he is going to appear in his glory. Hallelujah. This is throughout the scriptures, brothers and sisters. It's a wonderful study. Again, what I want to key in on is finding that sweet spot in your heart to give. Okay, because don't worry, God. If God can get the riches through you, He can get it to you. So, rethink your giving. Uh, again, we have some uh, some needs. One point three million for the land next door and to build out the facility, and we have ongoing expenses going on. Um, we're in the need of just under twenty thousand dollars to be given right away this month for some ongoing expenses, and some of the things that we're doing with the uh, different special units. We want to complete our commitment to them. And, uh, you know, if we had 20 people give 1,000, we had one person give, um, two people give 10,000, one person give 20,000, we can make, fulfill our commitments to them and get up to par uh, with the cash flow, with what God's told us to do here. Hallelujah. 
So thank you for reviving yourselves. Glory to God. Thank you for loving him. And I'm going to, I just making the pledge to you, okay, that I'm, I'm in this for life from now until he returns or I go to heaven. I'm in, I'm in sync because I want to see his glory. I want others to know his glory. I want his glory to be known as the waters cover the sea. Hallelujah. I want to see his Shekinah glory. That's what makes me tick. Hallelujah. So that's what we're building out, brothers and sisters, for his glory. And we'll talk to you real soon. Shalom, shalom. Thank you for being a part of Rivers in the Desert International, listening to our message today to you. Perhaps you have a friend, perhaps yourself are sitting there and wondering, where would I go if I died today? We'd like to give you a great privilege of praying with us and leading you to a knowledge of Jesus the Messiah. The Bible says, if any man or woman would call upon the name of Jesus, they would be saved. The Greek word for saved is healed, delivered. It's a wonderful promise. You're there now in your automobile, perhaps at home listening. Go ahead and pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus to forgive me of my sins. The Bible says, if anybody would call upon your name, they'd be saved. I'm calling today, Lord. Save me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Take all of my sins and cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. Father, I'm coming running home to you now. In your name I pray. Amen. If you'd like to contact us in our ministry, you may do so by writing us at Rivers in the Desert, P.O. Box 2788 in Alpharetta, Georgia, 30023 in the United States of America. Our ministry phone number is 770-777-0143. Of course, you can reach us anytime, 24-7, at our website contact page at www.flashfloods.com. Looking forward to hearing from you. We are here to help equip you to be tactical warriors in this hour, to wake up this church, to win and disciple lost souls, and to take out terrorism of all forms. God bless you. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Shalom, shalom. Shalom.